Rage's Beard to Gab... Oh, wait. Sorry. It takes more than being one column off on your keyboard to be a great software engineer. This is episode 333 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. So I sound less insane. That was a really funny joke about... <laughs> that's that's sort of what it looks like if you try to type it takes more than while being one column off on your keyboard. One column to the right. No, left? Uh, left, to the left. Yes. <laughs> Again, signs of funny jokes are that you yes. explain them all. But that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not what this is about. This is a weekly advice <laughs> show about all the non-technical things that go into the technical field of software development. Uh, and I really mixed it up by talking about the intro before I gave the tagline of the show. That's great. After <laughs> 333 episodes, I'm feeling the need to change. Finally. We need to be inclusive here and give a shout out to our Dvorak keyboard layout users. I don't know what it would be in Dvorak if you were. I don't know either. <laughs> and then we are going to brutally shame the Colmac users as they deserve. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, Colmac is another thing that it's another thing that isn't quirky that people like. Colmac. This is the first I've heard of that. Oh, designed in the 1800s. So you know it's good. Yeah. It has stood the test of time. <laughs> if this was base 11, this would be episode 300, oh. right? Oh, in, in decimal. In, in base 10, it's 300? No, no, no. In undecimal, base 11, yeah. it would be the, it would be the, the digits 300, oh. right? Uh, yes. I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, too, because it lets me talk about how these numbers go to 11, like the knobs on the amp in Spinal Tap. We should use <laughs> undecimal more. Dave, do you want to thank our patrons? <laughs> I do. Right after I finish this calculator, uh, let's see, base 10, base 11. Uh, okay. So, listen, if there's one thing we're good at around here, it's not going down tangents, but... I just found an online calculator that claims to be converting 333 in decimal to base 11. Oh, and, I was way off. And it says 283. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we got a few more to go. Yeah. Or or we missed it by a lot, or I don't know. Okay. Well, if you didn't already know this, uh, listen, I already knew this about myself. I cannot convert between decimal and undecimal accurately in my head. Yeah. No need to rub it in my face, Dave. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I do I do have good news. There is one cool number though, which is that episode 333 in base 10 uh -huh. is 333 in base 10. Coincidence? <laughs> uh the calculator I found also shows what it is in German. <laughs> As if that's a, it's like binary septenary Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay. I, guess I think that's all right. We just yeah. lost fifty percent yeah. of our audience, but that was by design. We have filtered out people who don't care about <laughs> base eleven number systems. All right. Shall I thank our patrons? Please. Okay. These folks are contributing at the level where they get a weekly shout out. They are Valentine at Datafold, Santa Hopar, Noah Fraser Lowe, Kent C. Dodds, Memester Josh, Jenny Kim, Owen Chartle, Craig Motlin, I Love Mazevis, The Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, That Was Cheating Jameson, 
Lanfuer pwil gwyn gale gogori chshuri durom bwrlind antisila gogogoch. Kashak in Ohio, patreon.com. We're hiring Ira Chan, monkey face emoji, Jonathan King, testing and documenting.org. Ola Dapofadi, Will Angel, rocket ship emoji, but rocket ship is hyphenated. Rengar, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Cody Sale, Nick Cantor, and Philip Jambasil. If you'd like to join this crew, go to softskills.audio and click the support us on Patreon button, where any amount will get you a sweet, sweet invitation to our Slack community. Invitations go out the first week of every Gregorian calendar month. What other. You know, we've, we've done enough tangents. Um, <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Hired, which is the best way to quit your job and get a new one. You can go to Hired.com slash soft skills, or you can wait to hear more about them. That's the end of those words. Yeah, right, or you job. can wait to hear more about them. <laughs> right. Dave, do you want to read our first? <laughs> it just, if you haven't heard, keep waiting. Keep waiting, and then you'll know. Dave, do you want to read our our first question i will read our first question it comes from an anonymous listener who says i've been at my job for five years since i graduated from college i love who i work with and what i do my question is more about the future i have a family now and i love my work-life balance and limited meetings as an individual contributor i used to confidently say i want to be a manager and eventually a cto now i am less sure i would love to help people achieve their goals but i love coding and i do not want to give that up the thing I love the most outside of coding is bringing engineers together. I am in charge of a monthly meeting for back-end engineers to share what they work on. I am good at getting engineers to show up to events. I have hosted other demos and events and potlucks, and that even the most quiet and introverted engineers show up to and have fun. What options are there for engineers who love coding and want to have a bigger person impact, but are not 100% sold on being a people manager? This sounds a lot like a developer advocate role, doesn't it? Or oh. not... not this role that they work out right now but but if you love coding you love getting groups of engineers together you love yeah. events and demos and that's that's yeah that's wow. what all right dev advocate is shortest answer ever <laughs> <laughs> i know a few developer advocates and it can be brutal even if you do like speaking at conferences but but often that's part of the job is you go speak at x number of events a year or something mm -hmm. like that and that can be stressful. It's a lot of travel. Yep. Uh, it can be a lot of work to put these talks together. But it is like you get to write code. You get to hang out and talk to people. You're trying to pitch them on some product. Um, you're not generally working on core customer-facing features. You're more focused on sales. But it is like sales through writing code and yeah, talking to developers. And gathering groups of developers. Yeah. yeah. In fact, if you're good at that, you could probably be a very successful developer advocate. Sometimes I also hear yeah. this called a uh, developer evangelist. Uh, are there other synonyms here? A, a dev whisperer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know of any other synonyms. Th this was like the shortest answer. I'm, and I, while you were giving the answer, I thought to myself, Jameson is a neural network that can take a, three paragraphs of text and turn it into a two-word job, job title. <laughs> and I'll bet you you could build a valuable service where people could just write a few paragraphs about what they want to do in their life and the computer will spit out a job title and then they can go search for those jobs. I'm Googling precision versus recall to remember which one is which because I just am going to say developer advocate every single time. That's high precision, low recall. All right, that's what I am. High precision, low recall. Low you, you identified 100% of developer advocate jobs. Yep. <laughs> and you correctly identified less than 1% of all jobs. <laughs> yeah. I love coding. Do not want to give that up. 
what I don't know is like how much hands-on keyboard coding time this is. It, you say you like the life work life balance and limited meetings. My sense is work-life balance can be rough with all the travel, maybe not every role, but I have no idea. Maybe maybe there are a bunch of meetings. I just know the parts of the job that I see, which is like as a as a humble member of the industry that that like gets presented to by these people. I don't know how they're how they're evaluated though. Is it like number of is it is it really sales? Is it like number of leads that you generate or or tied to revenue or something like that? Or is uh, yeah, it probably depends on what you're doing. I mean, if I knew developer advocates who worked for Google, and they certainly weren't commissioned on sales of any kind because they were usually advocating for an open source project. Yeah, they. I think I, I think I remember hearing that they were paid based on like events they attended numbers of people who came to events that they organized, talks they gave, things like that. But I could imagine a world where you're selling software um, and uh, the target audience is software developers and you are commissioned. I could imagine that. Hmm. I'm, I'm very tunnel visioned in on this answer now. Are there other answers? How could there be? You said the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> very high precision. <laughs> You know, lots of things in life are relative and have trade-offs. This does not. There's one truth here, and I've, I got it. I wonder if there's like a... The problem is I'm thinking of other roles that... Uh, they all feel like they might... Well, they all. I have one other idea, and <laughs> I'm saying they all. Having a vibrant engineering culture where developers participate and swap information and and like are actively talking to each other is is i think really valuable in in morale and helping people know stuff so they can get more stuff done this almost sounds like an internal like i don't know engineering cultural leader of some kind but mm -hmm. i don't know what the chief fun officer the chief fun officer yeah <laughs> Just imagining all the chief financial officers I've known, <laughs> how utterly unfun they have all seemed. <laughs> it's the mandatory fun. Yes, uh, chief fun officer. Time to bring up the spreadsheets. This feels like one of those jobs where having been a developer would be essential, but I don't know if you would actually write any code as part of that job, if it existed. Even I don't even know if it exists. Yeah, uh, yeah. You could be like a you know what? Um, you'd be like a hype man, right? Like, uh, <laughs> or uh, what's the name of? Like, you arrive at a court and someone announces the honorable so and so, baron of such lands. Uh, yes. you know, doesn't that person have a name? Uh, all rise for the honorable. The hype is man. that the bailiff? The ba you don't usually rise for the bailiff. Yeah, and the bailiff is more the enforcer. I don't think that's what this person wants. Okay. Yeah, probably not to put people in jail. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you getting one good answer used up all of my I know. all of the rest of the words I had. Well, it was that. so good. Now we're just filling time. <laughs> Why don't we just be efficient? Go on to the next question. <laughs> well, let me let me offer one more obviously less valuable piece of input here, but it I want to to make something clear that a lot of people I think believe but is not true. And that is that if you want to go into management, Actually, two things. You're going to get two for the price of one. Um, first of all, you can go into management and still be a coder. So you can have your feet in both worlds. In fact, I have managers on my team that do that right now, and I love it. Mm. You know, I, 
I love it. I love being on a team with a manager who codes and I love having managers that report to me who also code because I know that they're super connected to the in the trenches, on the ground, ground truth. They're more reliable for accurate technical information and their opinions carry more weight. So that's, first of all, keep that in mind. You can, you can actually be a people manager and a coder. You probably can't be a CTO of a reasonably sized company though and, and also be a coder. So maybe that's not in your future. And then the second thing is you can dip in and out of people management. You know, it's not a one-way door where you can only go through it once and can never go back. In fact, I've gone back and forth a couple of times in my career where I've spent a few years in people management, then a few years as an individual contributor, and then a few years in people management. And, and maybe individual contributorship is in my future too. So, you know, you can sometimes have what you want, but not at the same time. So in this case, you know, you want to code, but you like working with people and helping them achieve their goals. Maybe instead of insisting on being able to do both at the same time, you can satisfy yourself by doing some at different times in your career. So it's not balanced in this in a one-day time window, but it is balanced on like a four-year time window. Hmm. That makes sense. I like those answers. And I think together they added up to be a better answer than my one answer. Just go search for developer advocate jobs and you're good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, Jameson, have you heard about the Great Resignation? Is it that Charles Dickens book? <laughs> Wait, no. The entire population on Earth has started taking our advice of quit your job. Oh, yes, that's right. Apparently, we have achieved influencer status. We've been telling developers for years to quit their jobs, and now we want to tell you how to do it. We're ready to reveal the secret. You mean you don't just walk out shooting finger guns? <laughs> yes. Well, you do that first. But after you do that, there's a new service we want to tell you about called Hired. What is Hired, Dave? Hired is the biggest AI-driven marketplace that matches engineers with companies. It is a great way to find your next job. I've been watching this industry for 20 years with a keen interest on hiring in particular, and I've never seen anything like Hired. Tell me about what you're seeing. So I've interviewed about 150 people in the last year, and I am serious. Every candidate that's come to me through Hired has multiple offers, and they're incredibly high, scary high, like 30% higher than other candidates. Is that before or after the finger guns? <laughs> Uh, both. <laughs> the beauty is it's totally free for engineers, uh, and we would love for you to go try it. Go to hired.com slash soft skills to check it out. Hired.com slash soft skills. Quit your job the best way and check out Hired. Should I read our next question? Go for it. This comes from, anonymous from an anonymous listener who said, I recently interviewed at a large tech company. I did three interviews at the remote on-site and did well in two of them, but flunked the system design one. Since I was interviewing for a mid-level position, I feel like I missed some things that are inexcusable. I'm a very growth and career-oriented person, so I've been doing my due diligence and have been heavily studying system design concepts since then. I haven't received a response yet, but I expect a rejection, and I do think it would be fair given my system design performance. However, if they miraculous, miraculously came back to me with an offer, I would decline it because this means their hiring bar is low and that's not the level of colleagues I'd like to work with. I know this sounds very self-righteous, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on it since you guys are always very insightful. Thanks. All right. Thank you for that nice compliment. I have some insight since you said we're very insightful. You should have studied before the interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just got them out of order. Yeah. Although, I don't know. I feel like every time I interview, I my first interview, not deliberately, but in practice is a throwaway one because I forgot how to forgot how to interview. It's just me like remembering, oh yeah, this is the kind of stuff that they ask that I 
probably shouldn't be trying to remember on the spot. I'm glad you're studying it now. They, so what's that Oscar Wilde quote? Um, I, I wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have me or something like that. Uh-huh. I w- yeah, 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 yeah. Or the quote from my good friend who, after spending our entire youth enjoying a certain band, which will remain nameless, attended a live concert for this band and looked around at the audience and said, I've been a lifelong member of a club I don't want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to join any club that would have me as a member. Well, that's Groucho Marx. Oscar Wilde said, I don't want to belong to any club that would have me as a member, which is less punchy than I have come to expect from him. Mm. But that's okay. So you're saying that if they accept me and I perform so poorly, I don't want to know who else they accept. Yeah, and, it shows poor judgment on and, their... And, and believe it or not, I've been in this... I've been in the situation too, where I did an interview. I've actually interviewed at two companies, and I thought to myself, a little bit different situation, but I thought, wow, these questions are real softball questions. Like they they really did not fully explore my skill set, and I wonder and worry about the skill levels of the people that would be my coworkers if I'm if huh. I'm given an offer. So it's kind of like this, but not not exactly. It was more like the questions they asked just weren't even very good questions to begin with, let alone how I responded to them. So I, I get it. I, I see it. I think I've been in this case sort of where I feel like I really bombed an interview, but I don't think I thought it, of it as if they still send me an offer, it shows their bar is low. It's more like, I don't want to see these people again. <laughs> 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 they they know my shame. I don't want to go back there. Are you kidding? They They know that I always mix up A to B and B to A. I can't remember which one encodes and decodes. I don't know. That seems reasonable. I feel like, yeah, in my case, it's like a defense mechanism of like, well, I don't like them anyways. They asked me bad questions that were bad because I did poorly on them. Yeah. not. I'm not saying that's the case with you at all. Would you, well, okay. I'm going to take this question and turn it into a different question. Say you were interviewing for this you were trying to hire for this role for a mid-level interview. Do you feel like, is it like a one strike and you're out type of thing? Like one interview went poorly. Maybe the other ones went really well, but do you, do you, do you kind of default to rejecting if you have questions or, or doubts? Yeah. I don't know. I guess. So my point is that from reading this question, this person sounds like a very motivated and driven uh, and, and smart person that like, they probably would do a good job, you know? Yeah. So say you could, perceive that despite the fact that they flunked the system design one like wouldn't it be the right thing for the company to do to hire this person assuming that they actually are better than they portrayed on the system design question yeah i think i'm ignoring how they would know that but just like there's there's sort of like a a paradox here of of like the fact that you seem this driven seems like a good indication of your ability to do the work but also makes you want to not accept because you feel like that would be them lowering the bar. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that you're thinking about it this way means that it might be the right thing for the company to make you an <laughs> offer. So clearly, I can't take the drink in front of you. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that I think that this question asker is putting a little bit too much faith in their ability. Not, not their ability, but... Uh, too much confidence in their ability to assess an entire company's workforce uh, based on the questions that they asked you in an interview and the bar that they held you to in those questions. Hmm. So 
also, I will say that I have often hired people, actually pretty much everyone I've hired, there is some skill deficiency in them because there's no such thing as a developer that can answer every single interview question perfectly. And I mean, maybe there are. Okay, I've known a few people who can. Very, very small number of people. But (laughs) the point is that whenever you interview someone, you are bringing on a, by definition, imperfect human being onto your team. And they may have decided that the skill deficiency that they identified in you in the system design competency is coachable. And they think you have the potential to grow into the role and that your other skills that you demonstrated in the the interview were, were strong enough to offset that one gap and they're happy to bring you on in the hopes that a year from now, you're extremely skilled and, and better than you are today. So I think it would be a mistake to decline the job offer on the grounds that, oh my gosh, who else snuck through here? You know, put a little bit more faith in their interviewing capability and the understanding that everybody is a mix of skill and weakness. If, if I were the hiring manager and I decided I wanted to hire this person, I would absolutely want to know if if the candidate thought, well, I did so poorly, that means the, the bar is low. If if I was thinking something like what you were saying, Dave, of like lots of potential here and system design stuff is, is like uh, very experience-based and, and we can teach that. I, I would I would definitely want to know if they thought, oh, the bar is low here. That, that's why they sent me an offer. And because maybe they have evidence that could convince you that isn't the case. Or maybe they'll be like, yep, sorry. You, you seem bad enough to work here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but but do you do you think it would be worth it to... This is all hypothetical because maybe you don't get an offer. But if you do get an offer, do you think it'd be worth it? Dave, do you think it would be worth it for this person to raise their concern about about like the skill level of their colleagues? Or would that come off as very oh, sneaky? Yeah, I mean, first of all, who are you going to ask during the interview process? And it's probably going to be a recruiter and the recruiter won't be able to answer that question reliably because they don't yeah. really know how to assess the skill of the people you go work with. I know what they'll say, which is very their skill level is very high. Yeah, who knows? Maybe, yeah. No, no I mean, like, I don't know. That's what they'll say. Yeah, they'll be like, no, they're great. Candidate. You should take this job because yeah. I'm compensated yeah. based on how many offers I get accepted. I mean, yeah. because the, the peers are awesome. <laughs> so one one thing I would probably do, if I have a concern about the skill level of the teammates I'd work with, and I'm and it's really important to me to be on the lower end of the skill spectrum so that I can be inspired and mentored and grow, then I would ask for time with the engineering manager for the team that I'm being considered for. And I would ask that Mm. team to tell me about the skill levels of the engineers and give me some examples of some of the amazing contributions that they've done. And that, frankly, that's going to be a much more informative and reliable data source to assess the skill of the team rather than this admittedly kind of indirect approach where you're like oh well they let me through with that crappy answer therefore you know i'm going to skip threat but like dot 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 profit you know it's like (laughs) not it's not the uh it's it's a conclusion you really have to jump to without a lot of uh, other data points so that's something i would do is i would say give me some time with the manager and i've done this with almost every job i've i've interviewed for is once the offer arrives i go yeah can i meet with the team if i haven't already spent some time with them in fact one time company even flew me out uh, flew me across the country to spend some time with the team. So we went to lunch and I spent an hour or two with them to ask some questions and talk. And they were more than happy to do that because, you know, the value of a good engineer who finds the right fit and can be productive is, is high enough to justify a, a trip. So that's what I would do in this situation. I would not rely on this kind of shaky logical chain to conclude that this team is not good enough for me to work with them. Hmm. 
Are you familiar with The Ladder of Inference, Dave? It doesn't ring a bell to me. Okay. I learned this from a book called Thanks for the Feedback, which is good for other reasons too, but I, but it has this thing in it. It talks about how there, there are basically a bunch of steps between when you observe some objective fact about reality and when you arrive at some kind of action you're going to take based on it. And at each step, you're adding more assumptions and kind of guessing a little bit more. So you start with a fact and you climb up and eventually you end up with like, here's my interpretation of the the motivation of the person who acted this way. If the fact is like, they sent me an offer and then the motivation is like, their company is bad. So they they have a low hiring bar and, and yeah. they really, they think I'm, I, I clear their bar barely, but that means I don't want to work there. I'm, I'm butchering this, but, but uh, the point is that if you recognize the things you're doing as, as steps climbing this ladder, you can check those assumptions that you make at each step. So I bombed the system interview. Maybe you didn't. Uh, I've, I've talked to plenty of candidates who thought that they did really poorly in oh, the yeah. interview and they didn't, they did great or, or like they did fine. And, and, um, what they thought was bombing it was really like they got really nervous, but they, yeah. they their their skills worked. You know, they just like were anxious, um, which makes total sense because interviews are nerve wracking. So if you find yourself leaping from I bombed the interview to I don't want to work there because their bar is low, then then see if there's things you can check in between that thing that you think you observed and the conclusion. Maybe there's a few rungs on the ladder that you didn't acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah, or exactly. maybe there's no rungs yeah, like, at all. Like you can't get there from here. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, I, I would check to see did you really bomb it if you if you thought you did. Well, you'll find and, out. And then yeah, you talked. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh no, that okay. I I see your point. Like regardless of of the uh, interview outcome decision, whether you get an offer, you actually don't have enough information to conclude whether you really did bomb the the system design part. Is that what you're saying? I mean. I wasn't there, so maybe you did. Like maybe they asked you to design Twitter and, and you like drew a butt on the whiteboard or something. <laughs> I don't know. They were like, That's the most amazing architecture I've ever seen. <laughs> There's how, the did, how did he know? <laughs> the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess when I hear bomb the interview, I imagine there's a spectrum of, of uh, results that you could lump into bombing and some of those might be like you did pretty fine you just yeah. felt bad about it yeah so so check that dave you talked about checking if their hiring bar is low by talking to the or, or checking if the i guess that's another assumption is is like their hiring bar is low therefore the quality of the team members will be low and and you can check the quality of the team members sort of by talking to the engineering manager so that was a lot of words, but Google ladder of inference if you want to hear a better explanation about this. All right. That was time well spent. And I'm just trying to think, how what can I infer from what you just said? That the show is wrapping up. Yes. That's it. <laughs> what can people do if they would like their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button. Thank you so much to everyone who does that. We love, love your questions. Please keep them coming. Don't even hesitate to send us your question. Or if you just want to write a haiku or send a weird story, we'll read it. We're not above that. We will definitely read it. Yeah. You know, there might be a, a smidge of exaggeration in the promise that we will answer all of them. We absolutely do read every single question that comes in. That we do, for sure. And we haven't not answered all of them yet. So <laughs> you, can, you can't be sure. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't not answered wait we have not not 
You lost me. Does that mean we have answered them all? No, like we haven't failed to we haven't stopped doing the show yet, okay. which is when you'd be able to tell, okay, we they didn't answer my question. Right, right. Okay. Cuz the show has stopped and my question was not a part of it. You don't you don't know that yet. But even for the questions that we did cover on the show, I'm not really sure we've answered too many of them. Okay, that's fair. So that just means the backlog <laughs> is bigger than any of us believe. Oh, just like real life, <laughs> where that thing you thought was done turns out to be hiding a ton of work. Yep. Oh, I just got sad. Yeah. On that note, time to end, <laughs> time to end the show. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. We will catch you next week. 